comes. Here. And watch out! He's got Wow. Point, because it's a 6% slope, 50 feet. So right now it will gather speed. Good weight. It's a two-footer. Oh, my goodness. All the way! Can you believe that? Episode 57, Walk It In Podcast. Welcome back. Mark and Jeff here, uh, recapping the Charles Schwab Challenge, previewing the upcoming memorial. Jeff's on a roll. We got one of the most cold-blooded putters on tour, Sam Burns, defeating world number one Scotty Scheffler last week. How you doing? Tuesday night, Jeff. I am good. Uh, good to be with you. I, I feel like as we just pressed record and we're getting the Twitter feeds fired up, we're like five minutes behind some pretty significant breaking news on Twitter as it relates to the golf world. That's right. Like breaking news. Yep. All the things are happening related to our, uh, I don't know what they are to us, but maybe the arch enemy of golf live golf has announced their initial inaugural inaugural event. There we go. Field. Um, we'll come back around to it in a minute, but it feels like we're going to have an action packed episode. So I'm excited to be with you. And I also, I, I want to take your lead. I think it was, it was perfect. Yes, Sam Burns may be the most cold-blooded big game putter that there exists on the PJ Tour. This is now two wins this year, draining 30-plus footers to win yep. in a playoff. The Valspar also. Um, yeah. I, uh, this obviously, this question was posed in our group chat, right? And uh, I said Cam Smith would be number one, but Sam Burns is up there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what's crazy? Sam Burns beat Davis Riley in the playoff, then poor Davis Riley this week could have made your week. If he would have pulled it out. I got, I I mean, I needed, I needed to, um, I needed to take a seat and, uh, and grab a cigarette, so to speak (laughs) after he reached 11 under par solo lead late on Sunday. I knew in the back of my mind, uh, Scheffler and some of the others had like three or four holes in hand on him. Sure. Sure. Um, but I was, was getting I mean, it, I was, I was getting ready to walk in a 50 to one with, with my guy, Davis Riley. And not just a regular 50 to one, usually 50 to ones on this podcast generally have a quarter of a unit tied to them. And you had a, a half unit. I mean, we're talking about a, a standings flip that may be, may have been something I couldn't have overcome. So yeah, but uh, alas, you're on a roll. I, it was a good week. It was a quiet week again, a lot like last week, no winners outright, but Tony Finau books a top 20, Davis Riley, the top 20, which you had as well. Um, and then the Chris Kirk top 20, he he held on to that by the uh, skin of his teeth. I'm glad that it was a good week. I'm excited for what's to come. Um, but I do think we need to give Sam Burns a lot of due because this is now his third win this season. Ty and Scotty, who also has yep. three wins this season. Going back to the Sanderson Farms, which I know we don't talk about the Sanderson Farms on this podcast. It happens right during the peak of football season while we're doing our other podcasts. But that tournament plus the Valspar for Charles Schwab, that's that's a good list. I feel like Sam Burns just needs to show us he can compete at a major. And we're talking about another deadly young gun on the PJ Tour. He's uh, he's 25 years old, uh, like you said. Um, I don't what what is his ranking right now? Is he he's in the top 10 in the world now? Yes, he is ninth official world yeah. golf rankings. Like you said, he just needs he needs some majors now. Um, yep. I think he's in prime position for a President's Cup spot. It seems as that, yes. And uh, I mean, 
it's he's going to keep climbing, right? Yeah. I do uh, think there's something about the majors though. He hasn't played in that many, but his best out of about seven appearances is a T20 this year at the PGA. Yeah. Um, he has the entire package. Like you mentioned it in the opener, his guy can make putts, strikes the crap out of the ball. He's got great distance off the tee. Uh, he, he's a full fledged player. I mean, you have yes. to be to win three times on tour, but yep. No, he just needs to, now he needs to do it in uh in majors so uh, we'll see but uh i um thought long and hard about laying some juice in the playoff with scotty scheffler he was minus 125 burns was plus 100 at the start of the playoff and um burns buries him from off the green just like at the valspar it was like the same just a different side of the green but almost the same exact type of putt and scotty almost made it extend by missing, I don't know, seven inches, whatnot, uh, was what he missed the putt by. So nearly a second hole. I, I think coming off of back-to-back playoff tournaments, I'm such a fan of the aggregate. Like I'm so much more three-hole aggregate. That's I want that to be the standard for the playoffs. Not- it's almost like um, it's almost like you're playing, you know, an entire uh, hockey game and then it comes down to a shootout. It's like, right. I mean, and the just, NHL changed that for tough. a reason. Yeah. I think, 72 holes decided by one hole is a brutal way to determine a winner. If a guy or multiple guys, guys or multiple more than two are tied. I just don't think that's a very fair way to do it. And I think last week, like, would you say last week, JT beating Will Zalatoris? Like that felt right. Like I, JT was the better player over three rounds. Right. And like you said, in a seven game series, the better team's going to win. But in one hole, anything can happen. In one game, anything can happen. In a shootout, anything can happen. I agree. Um, and that's that's what happened now. Sam Burns is a hell of a player. So it's not like, you know, some slapstick just came out of nowhere and it's like stole a win from Scheffler. Um, but your point. Um, would your Brendan point Todd well, have been a slapstick? Would, would Brendan Todd have qualified as a slapstick this week? Um, maybe, but he does play well on these courses and, and everybody <laughs> yes. knows that. Yes, I just love the term slapstick, and I wanted you to. I wanted you to put a name next to the slapstick <laughs> definition. Slapstick uh, equals Brendan Todd, Scott Stallings. Okay, maybe <laughs> yes. Poor, <laughs> poor Scott <laughs> caught, caught in the crosshairs of Mark's slapstick comment. I'm looking at the rest of this. I mean, John Huh, T12. That would have been a slapstick winner. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Otherwise, Anyways, I mean, the leaderboard was was awesome. Was um, was it ended up being a, a really good tournament. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I like the difficult conditions. The wind made it very tough on the closing groups heading into uh, sort of the final hour on Sunday. Sam Burns emerges victorious, as we've already mentioned, his third win of the year. We covered our bets. There wasn't really anyone else that stood out to me. I, I took a flyer on Hobland, um, went about the way a flyer would go, even that 20 to 20 to 1. Webb, he had a couple moments early in the week, but faltered across the weekend, missed the top 20 on him. Um, Jordan Spieth did get your your top 10 on the back door coming down the stretch on Sunday. But outside of that, not really ever in contention to win. And Brian Harmon, maybe the biggest, maybe the biggest like, huh, moment on the board. He was a no-show. Yep. Uh, he was um, way down there on the list. I think um, without scrolling too far down the leaderboard, I think he was like plus seven day one, something crazy. And yes. uh, I mean, it was it was awful. He was a very popular pick. He ends up having a pretty good second round, but of course, when you shoot a seven over in the first round, it doesn't matter. 
played himself right out of it. Yeah. Um, Zalatoris missing the cut. Uh, Billy Horschel, JT just doing a victory lap, <laughs> you know, just because. Exactly. Um, he, uh, I thought it was funny. He kind of posted something very similar to Phil last year uh, after his PGA Tour win or his PGA Championship win and was basically like, I missed the cut, but I won the PGA to uh, Soho. Get off me. Within that, I think it's interesting that Mido Pereira goes top 10, where you had Zal Torres, JT missed the cut. Obviously, Pereira not in the playoff, but in a very stressful situation and still sure. comes out and performs where I think you can chalk up the Zal Torres, JT missed cuts as like, you know, JT definitely, as you mentioned, kind of doing the victory lap. Maybe his head wasn't as in it. And Zal Torres missing the cut. Uh, yeah, that doesn't shock me either. Um, I actually, I was, I was very wrong about Zal Torres. As was I. He was my one and done pick, but that's generally how my one and done picks go. So no surprise. Yep. Um, Okay. Well, we need to talk about this because as I mentioned at the top, breaking news, uh, Live Golf's first event in London has announced their initial roster. Sounds like based on the Twitter sphere, there's a few open spots yet to be claimed. Um, One person not on the list of golfers immediately is Phil Mickelson, but one name on the list uh, that... Well, disappointed is the word I'll use. A couple guys, actually, I'll throw the disappointed word out there for. But the one that I think stands out the most is DJ. Dustin Johnson named to the initial list of players to play in the first Live Golf event. Live Golf, uh, for those of you who tune in every uh, so often, is the Saudi-backed league um, headed up by Greg Norman. This is the one where there's just a lot of chatter about the, the way in which this uh, the money has been gathered to put together this no cut uh, alternative league to the PGA tour with mega money uh, and basically guaranteed payouts for a lot of golfers. Your, my, my word is disappointed. Mark your word that Dustin Johnson is on this list. Uh, I don't know. Largely indifferent. Does that, is that like a hard O comment? No, but maybe you can explain it. Sure. So um, he is, in his thirties now, um, marches to the beat of his own drum, uh, you know. So like, and, and I don't think that, you know, like his involvement here was going to like all of a sudden sway like all of the young guns, you know, to uh, to jump ship. He's thirteenth in the world right now. Uh, like I said, he's in his thirties. He's still great, uh, of course, um, but like. I don't know. He, he doesn't like him going there. Doesn't do it for me the same way, you know, JT or Morikawa or Zalatoris or Scheffler or any of these guys, um, you know, these young superstars going over there would have um, would have moved the needle. In my opinion, there are two guys in the top 20 in the world uh, on the, in this field. And that includes Louis Oosthuizen, who's 20th in the world right now, who no offense to Louis Oosthuizen, but like he doesn't move any needles. Nobody like no really cares about Louis Oosthuizen. Nobody dislikes him, but nobody cares about him at the same time. Right. Um, and it, it may sound like a hard old comment. And even just saying it out loud, like I could see where people he- would hear me say that and um, and think that that's OK. But like, I don't know. He's he's DJ. He's different. But like he's older. He, you know. He's got uh, a family now and he wants the money and, you know, I don't know, this, that, the other. I just good for him, I guess. I, I don't really care. I don't know. Okay. That's fair. 
I agree with some of the names you mentioned that would have riled me up a lot more. Um, I find it interesting. The last win DJ had back in January of 2021 was at the Saudi international event, which is just, I don't know, somewhat ironic. You know, he won the masters in November of 2020, uh, two starts later in January of 2021, he wins the Saudi event. And honestly, like, yeah, he had a couple decent showings last year, but he's been remarkably pedestrian this year, like remarkably pedestrian. And you mentioned his age and yeah, does, do I think DJ and Paulina live a lifestyle that $25 million or whatever obscene sum of money he's been guaranteed probably would suit his fancy? Definitely, definitely understand why. Right. Can you, bl- like you know? Can you blame it. him going? Like, well, is Dustin that, Johnson for that amount of money? No, well, no. But also, I think you look at the PGA Tour right now. Is Dustin Johnson going to be winning events? Like, even if you look at his statistical profile since the early part of 2021, it's just been this very steady drop. He's still a good golfer, 13th in official world golf ranking. But it's not like DJ is scaring people anymore and if this field is the rest of the euros richard bland sergio garcia brandon grace graham mcdowell ian poulter ian poulter charles schwartzel like the other americans on here hudson swafford andy ogletree that one jumps out uh i remember that guy playing the masters as an amateur yeah Um, he was a good amateur taylor gooch that one surprises me a bit only because i remember max homa talking about how I don't know anything about this Saudi-backed league, but he's boys with Taylor Gooch. Like, they're best buds. Who is? I'm Max Homa, Taylor Got Gooch. It. They're Got boys. It. I'm surprised Taylor Gooch is on that list. I'm not, I, I'm, I am surprised by that. I'm, uh, I'm pulling up Taylor Gooch, uh, his profile right now, and he's got 12 top 25s this year, four top 10s. Um, he, he, he won the RSM classic, which is, you know, whatever. Um, and he's a good player, but like, he's a good player. Yeah. Nobody's going to miss him. No, no one's going to miss him. I, I just feel like he had the win earlier this season. And I look at him the same way. I look at Max Homa as younger up and coming guys on the tour. I, Max, I think Homa, Max Homa move. is 10 times a player. Taylor Gooch is absolutely, absolutely. But Taylor Gooch is still only 30. And he finally got his breakthrough win. His game is trending in the right direction. People like DJ, Poulter, guys who, if you look at their data golf profiles and and the chart is down and to the right, that doesn't surprise me. Guys whose chart is up and to the right, that surprises me. Um, I just think there's something about the PGA Tour and like the history and the, like, you know, we're, we're about to talk about the Memorial. You're going to play Jack's tournament. You've got the rib. Tigers tournament. You've got Bay Hill, Arnie's tournament. You've got these moments that I think mean, and who am I to say, right? Like if you threw $30 million at me, like maybe, maybe my mind would be different. I would hope not because I think this is a little ridiculous for many of these guys. A couple things uh, that my immediate thoughts um, now around Dustin Johnson, first of all, if he doesn't win 30 to 50% of these tournaments, then he should be extremely disappointed himself. Um, That's number one, because he is head and shoulders better than everybody else there. Number two, the tour has to do something about it and set a precedent. Otherwise, people are going to just go play for a check, come back, play a PGA Tour event, and like, you know, flip-flop as they see fit. 
the tour has to send a message to Dustin Johnson, right? Yep. I would agree. Yep. Without a doubt. Whether that's banning him, suspending him. I don't know what it is. Um, Jay Monahan obviously has some decisions to make, but um, they've got to do something or, or else people will not necessarily follow him on a permanent basis. But if they're, if they see that there's no repercussions for, for playing in spot tournaments or whatever on the live tour, then people are going to do it. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, ah, whatever, you know, we probably have wasted more air on this than it's even worth at this stage. And there's probably lots to play out, but I think you're maybe what you just said is what I, I will close my thoughts with, which is, I don't think it really matters. Uh, a lot of this will matter. And I don't think we'll know the extent of this until the PGA tour decides what they're going to do about the guys that go. Uh, because if they do nothing, then I think it turns into something completely different versus if they do something, but when they do something, that's when the fireworks could start. So I, I think this is just the beginning, uh, which is odd to say, since it feels like we've been talking about this moment on the podcast for the better part of a year. And it's arrived um, with, DJ probably being the only reason we're really talking about it. Um, but we'll see. There's still open spots. Uh, what's going to happen with Bryson, Phil? I think those are some other names we we expect to see mixed in here soon, but um, time will tell. Anything yeah. else you want to close with, or would you like to talk about the actually very exciting tournament, I personally feel, on deck this week with the Memorial? Yep, I love the Memorial, so let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Jack's tournament, already mentioned, uh, one of the greats. That's why I think the PJ Tour means something. But we are moving to Ohio. Uh, we are playing at Mirfield Village this week. This is a, a pretty fair test. Uh, if you look back on some of the historical events here, uh, big names win. You had Patrick Cantley last year. He defended uh, from 2019, although you, should, you could argue. Uh, John Rom should have been the winner last year. Cantlay benefited from Rom's withdrawal after being up by like a million strokes heading into the final round. Yeah. John Rom did win in 2020. You've had DeChambeau win here. Uh, Hideki has won here. Tiger Woods. Uh, some interesting names. Duffner, William McGirt, David Lingmurth. Uh, but it seems that a lot of guys get a big win here. I think you could argue DeChambeau's biggest win in his career to that point was the Memorial. Cantlay, the same. Um, even John Rom. Uh, that was pre-winning the uh, U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. So I am interested to get your take this week, but this will play difficult. Uh, we're probably looking at a winner somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 13 under, legitimate rough um, distance for sure, topped out at 7,400 yards last year. Uh, lots of penalties, lots of, uh, of sand. Jack loves that. But that's kind of the course breakdown for this week. Your lead on the board is John Rahm, uh, arguably should be the back-to-back -back champ, as I've mentioned before, at 8-1, to one, followed by Canlay, who won last year, at 10-1. to one. Those are your two shortest numbers. Either guy on the board of any interest to you this week? Uh, no. Um, you know, I, I do think both of them will play really well. Uh, I do think the favorites will... will um, We'll be on the leaderboard come Sunday, but the the odds are a little short, and I uh, personally see a bunch of value a little bit further down. So I'm staying away from the top. If um, if the John Rom Patrick Cantlay Rory McIlroy, who's at eleven to one again, DraftKings Sportsbooks odds, you can find different numbers everywhere. But if any one of those guys were say 15, 16 to one, which of the three would interest you the most? Uh, all of them, especially Rahm and Cantlay. Yeah. Um, because I do, 
like I said, I do like especially Rom and Cantlay. Um, we've talked about Cantlay's uh, major performance, but uh, he plays really well here uh, at this tournament. He's got the two wins, one maybe with an asterisk. He's got another top five. Uh, aside from a missed cut in his last start, he um, has been playing pretty well, and yep. um, he's got the chops to do it uh, again. So um, 10 to 1, a little short, but uh, if he were closer to 15 to 1, I would definitely be on him pretty heavily. Cantley would be my pick, too. Um, he's rested two weeks ago, missed the cut, but yeah, we just talked about it. He doesn't do well at majors. He does well here. Two wins and a uh, fourth in 2018. Moving further down, I think your card probably starts closer to remind us. Uh, in the teens, you have Xander Shoffley at 16 to 1, Morikawa now at 18 to 1. And then we turn to the 20s, Hovland, Lowry, uh, and Spieth and Cameron Smith, 20 to 22 to 1. Then Fitzpatrick at 25 and Hideki at 28. I rattled off a few. I have to imagine one of these guys exists on your <laughs> card. Am I correct? Take a take a guess, Jeff. I think you're going back to Spieth. I think you're taking Jordan Spieth this week. Wow. I see. I I gave you a little bit too much credit there, I guess. I um I do like Spieth. Um good history here. Very good history. Pretty good history, not elite like he did like he had uh last week. Um I mean, it, last it, week it, is elite, but he hasn't finished. He's finished outside the top 20 twice in the last 8 years. Well, uh Yes. Well, he did miss the cut uh, four in years 18, ago, in but yes. only one top 10, no top five. So not elite um, where I am going to go, though. Matt Fitzpatrick, my oh, guy, he's back. he's back. Come on. Why wouldn't I, Jeff? He finished third here two years ago. He is rolling. OK, um, finished T5 at the PGA, was in position to win until a. Uh, a blip on Sunday, T2 at the Wells Fargo the week before that. He's having a monster season. Um, 11th uh, in strokes gained around the green, 10th in strokes gained putting. His T to green game is fifth on tour this year. The guy is having an elite season. And I'm going to keep saying it until he wins. It's a matter of time. And with some of the, um, with a lot of the top dogs playing in this tournament, Fitzpatrick at 25 to one presents a lot of value in my opinion, because he is what 10th, um, the 10th favorite, uh, if you want to call it that on the board this week. Yeah. Uh, and to me that, that presents a lot of value. So I'm going to go back to Fitzpatrick this week. Um, half a unit on the win. He is minus 110 for a top 20. That's going to be my biggest bet of the week. 1.5 units on uh, Fitzpatrick top 20. Haven't done that in a little while two total units on, on, on the young lad. I, I respect you putting 40% of your, your units this week on Fitzpatrick. I kind of like the game I played with you earlier. I would have liked to see Fitzpatrick closer to 30. Um, I understand five points doesn't really make it. Oh, yeah. Difference, splitting hairs. Right. I know. And I'm not disagreeing with your handicap of him. I think from a value perspective, yes, I agree with you. I, I look at him the same way I looked at Xander this week. I was like, God damn it, Xander. Like, I do want to bet you. You have a good history here coming off three straight T14s or better. Um, decent form lately. You know, he had that pretty remarkable come from behind uh, when he was basically outside the cut. Then he plays T13 at the PGA. I just, Xander doesn't win. So what am I doing with Xander at 16 to one? Like, that doesn't right. make any sense to bet. 
when he only wins team events or the Olympics. Like that's it. That's the only thing the guys want. So right. it's hard for me to get on board with that considering I feel the same way about Fitzpatrick. Like he's not winning. I agree. It's a matter of time, but I think that number for me was too short. Cause you know, I love him the same way you do. I will be rooting for you and for Matt Fitzpatrick this weekend. He's not where my card starts. My card starts um, at the 18 to one guy who I got at 20 to one. And that is Colin Morikawa. Uh, very excited about Morikawa this week. He did lose um, in the past. What was it? Uh, yeah. 2021 lost to Cantlay uh, in the playoff. I feel pretty confident um, that Morikawa's numbers as it relates to his putting has been the kind of sole reason why his last four outings have been un Morikawa like. If you go back, he had the the fifth uh, about a month ago, then he had an eighth right behind that. So it's not like Colin Morikawa has been playing bad golf, uh, but his putter has continued to let him down. The approach number has been fantastic. I have had a few handicaps this year where I've played the approach numbers being good uh, should round out with a spike putter week. And we've seen that from Morikawa T2 at the Genesis Invitational where he gained strokes putting. It's a rarity. He was fifth at the Masters, gained strokes putting. Uh, but the approach numbers are just that good. And this is a course where the approach numbers have to be that good. So give me Morikawa this week at 20 to one for a half unit and a top 10 at plus 175 for a half unit. We are rolling the dice on Colin Morikawa's putter. Yeah, um, you. I feel like you've been on Morikawa a good bit this year, and that's a great um, question. I wonder how often I have. I'd have to go back and look through, but I, I know. Yes, we need to do a deep dive and see how many times we bet on each golfer and like what that uh, ROI has been. Uh, oddly enough, my notes would tell me that this is the first time I've bet Colin Morikawa on the podcast. Really? Maybe we yeah. just talk about him a lot. We, we certainly do, yeah. But that first time he's made my card. Okay. All right, well, good luck to you. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we got two guys we're both not sold on, but both fans of. Um, <laughs> as we work our way through, I do have one other guy um, in that 20 20- uh, 20 range. Do you, do you have anybody else you want me to no, go? I'm a little bit further down, not too much further down, but I'll let you yeah. go again. Yeah. My other guy is Hideki. Um, taking Hideki this week. I know I his injury. About it. I, I, I don't know. Would you argue this as elite history here? He won in 2014. He's got two top 10 cents and a T13, but a couple missed cuts mixed in there. You never yeah, know. I mean, his, his last two starts here, T62 and a missed cut. He's right. coming off at T60. Um, on tour um so i don't know uh that that scared me a little bit yep. uh not to mention i had 40 percent of my units on uh on, on fitzpatrick so yeah i had at to, some to, point yeah, yeah I, had to, I had to make choices um, of course and, and he was one of the choices that i i had to let go but he was on my initial list yeah an interesting stat this week that i was looking at i know that from a data golf perspective driving you know strokes gained off the tee is deprioritized but I do think with the distance, uh, par 72, there are moments where a combination of distance and accuracy can be a weapon, especially considering the rough and how penal it is here. Um, Hideki, 13th this season in total driving, basically his uh, accuracy number and his distance number. Uh, Morikawa, who I just mentioned, 10th. Uh, Sneaky long. Uh, always been an accurate driver, but becoming sneaky long for Colin. Uh, and Hideki fits that same mold, same guy from a, an approach number. I know his approach numbers weren't great at the PGA, but it has been an absolute ball striking clinic for him. He's won twice this year, the Zozo and the Sony Open. Um, yeah, the injury is a legitimate concern, but he continues to go out there and play. He's had a couple uh, weeks now uh, off the PGA to 
get the body right. So I do have Hideki to win at 28 to one for a quarter of a unit in a top 20 at plus 120 for three quarters of a unit. Had to get a little fancy this week on my math, but uh, a unit in total for Morikawa and a unit in total for Masuyama. Yeah, I, um, I'll probably be considering him for uh, uh, daily fantasy lineups if, if I feel good about his health, one and done picks. Um, he's definitely uh, on the short list, but uh, like I said, had to make some cuts. Uh, I do like the pick, though. I appreciate it. What do you got next? Uh, next for me is Cameron Young. He's 40 to 1. Um, this guy is fifth on tour. Uh, in uh, birdie average, 14th on tour in strokes gained tee to green. Um, his last 16 rounds uh, on tour, he ranks second in this field in strokes gained tee to green behind only Jordan Spieth, um, 29th in approach. His putting needs a little bit of work. However, when you look at his form, the guy's got three straight top three finishes on tour, and that includes at the PGA Championship. The guy's rolling right now, and at 40 to 1, definitely worth a play. Um, so I love Cameron Young this week. Uh, I'm going to put a quarter of a unit on 40 to 1 uh, to win, and then three quarters of a unit on a top 20, which is plus 140, um, which, again, I think is tremendous value for him. I wish we had a way to go back and look and see where guys were in previous weeks. I feel about Cameron Young the same way I feel about your boy, Matt Fitzpatrick, our boy, Matt Fitzpatrick. I don't want to distance myself from him. There you go. It just feels like a number. I I get it. He's three straight. What do you, what do you want? 45 to one? 50 to one? Yeah. 55 to 60. Like really the guy is 12th in the FedEx cup standings, 30th in the world. He's not going to be much further than the 41 ever. Now I, I I totally understand. I think the thing I look at with him is like, I don't know. I, I, Mm, I just think the win bet is, I think we're a little shorter than uh, maybe, maybe there's like kind of the, the Cameron young craze sweeping the, the golf nation here. I, yes. Fantastic golfer showed up at a, a number of big events, but there's still too much erraticness in his game, like off the tee. Oh. Tremendous. He still has a few too many weird weeks with his approach numbers and his putter is inconsistent. If he was more consistent on approach, I'd be a hundred percent on board with this, but at 40 to one, I feel like we're talking about a different class of golfer, but let's talk. Okay. So I I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit. Cause this, his name might come up in a little bit. My guy, Davis Riley uh-huh. was 50 to one last week in position late on Sunday to win the tournament. He doesn't have the, I mean, he's in great form, but not three straight top three form like Cameron young. He's 94th in the world, not 30th. He's 20th in the FedEx Cup, not 12th. Cameron Young, statistically and in terms of his form, is much better than Davis Riley right now. And I think Davis Riley is great and presented a ton of value at 50 to 1, which I was proven correct um, this past week, being in contention solo lead late on Sunday. Absolutely. Absolutely. So wouldn't you say, based on that alone, 40 to 1 on Cameron Young is value? No, because Davis Riley this week is 60 to one. So I feel like Cameron Young needs to be closer to where Davis Riley is. That's why I'm saying 55, 60. I even feel better at 50 with Cameron Young. I, I look at their statistical profiles like, you know, in Davis, three of us did Riley's last four, T9 or better, a couple top fives. I get it. Cameron Young coming off three straight top fives. One of those top threes. PGA. 
yeah, top threes. That's fair. I mean, sure, two places better. I just think, I just think Davis, or I'm sorry, I think Cameron Young is getting the, he is getting the respect he deserves. I think we've crossed it where it's no longer of value. This is my opinion. I, yeah. I am certain you can you can poo poo my pick. Cameron all you Young, want, Cameron Young can prove me wrong this week, but I look at Davis Riley at sixty to one off of some of his, his last four uh, uh, rounds. Sorry, last four outings. I look at Cameron Young in his last three. Cameron Young is 20 points shorter. And if you look at like, yes, both of them are in a really good spot right now, but both of them have had moments of disaster and moments of really good spots prior to this stretch, this last. But that's what you're going to get from a guy 40 to one and all the way up to 60 to one. Absolutely. But if I have Davis at 60, I think that's more fair than I think Cameron at 40. That's my okay. That's all right. That, all right. That's fine. So I've got, uh, I've got a full unit on Cameron Young. I've got um, a quarter of a unit on the win, three quarters on the top 20. Love it. Love it. Love it for you. Love it for you. <laughs> you hate um, it in general. <laughs> no, not necessarily hate it. I, I, like I said, I think Cameron Young is a good bet this week. I just think 40 to one is, um, you know, shorter than I would like it. But hey, I've got a guy who arguably, you know, maybe shouldn't be this short. And I've got Will Zalatoris at 30 to one um, this week. He coming off of a missed cut uh, at the Charles Schwab, actually pretty horrible on approach. The interesting part for me is if you look back across the rest of the season, his approach numbers have been tremendous. And I put, I know every week, ball strikers, ball strikers, ball strikers. But at this place, especially ball strikers, Ball strikers, ball strikers, ball strikers. We're going four, four ball striker mentions this week okay. as it comes down to someone like Will Zalatoris. And if you paradise, go back, paradise, 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 paradise. Ding, 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 ding. As you go back over his previous weeks, anytime he's lost strokes on approach, he has never lost. Again, this is data golf numbers. He's never lost twice in a row since 2021. Every single time he has lost strokes on approach, the next week he has gained almost a full stroke or more. I love that stat. So my thinking with Bill Zalatoris is once again, the market I think is pretty fair at 30 guy who has not won on tour, but continues to show up in big events, Charles Schwab, Byron Nelson sandwiched between his PGA championship where he plays second T six at the masters. I think Zalatoris in a moment like this fits the mold of guys. I mentioned at the top of this podcast who have won the Memorial and it's been kind of their coming out party to Shambo can't lay even Rom to an extent. To me, Will Zalatoris would fit that same mold. So I have Will Zalatoris this week at 30 to one for a half unit and the top 20 at plus 120 for a half unit as well. I um I didn't know that stat. That's uh that's big league stuff that you just presented from Data Golf. Um awesome. I love it. I uh, I told you I was I admitted fault and um and picked incorrectly on him last week, but um I guess data says he'll turn it around <laughs> this week. We'll, we'll see what's between the ears, man. Who knows? Maybe the PGA championship scarred will, but uh, this is a big tournament. I think this is the best non-major on the calendar. So I expect to see a lot of guys. Um, Just be, knowing what you know about this field or in general, you say that blindly every year. Blindly every year. I think the field is always good. And I just, I really like this course. I, I enjoy watching this tournament. I think it, it presents a very fair, difficult challenge to these uh-huh. golfers. Okay. Interesting. I like, I mean, I love the waste management. Absolutely. Waste management's unique, but it's a different kind of unique to me. Like waste management, I think it's for the atmosphere. This is for like the, the, the test of golf for me. I okay. just enjoy watching this on TV, yeah. but I enjoy yeah. the waste management all the same. I do. I mean, this is up there for me. I just Absolutely. don't know if I'd put it number one. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Also waste management, like February. I mean, we, we live in colder climates. I live in a right. very cold climate. Like there's just something about that it's not golf season yet. desert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just get, it's like when you get that itch, I feel like waste management hits and I'm like, okay, let's go sunshine, like mm-hmm. melt the snow. Let's get back out there and put 100%. it back in the ground. Um, so you mentioned Cameron Young as we move through the rest of the guys, I've got a couple guys, no more win bets, but a couple, uh, if we move through the fifties, the sixties, why don't we just kind of go rapid fire? I'll let you call out your next golfer first. Yeah. Are you, do you have nobody else there? You're not on uh, any Chileans? No Chileans. My next guy's at 60. Okay. Me too. Davis Riley. There Step he is. right up, baby. Yes, sir. Me Step too. Let's right go. Up. I just, we, we just talked about Davis Riley. I mean, how much more the, is there to say? <laughs> right. Exactly. We, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. He's a monster. 60 to one quarter of a unit, two to one on a top 20 for three quarters of a unit. The end. Yeah, absolutely. I have him for a top 20 for one unit. Same number, 20 to or two to one. Um, I think 60 is a tremendous value. I, I love it for you. I absolutely love that one. Uh, I've already told you why I do. So I'm glad both of us will continue to cash Davis Riley tickets while the market continues to put a ridiculous price next yeah. to his name. I, um, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, I uh, quote tweeted uh, Jason Sobel pumping Davis Riley's tires when he took the solo lead on Sunday. And I, I told uh, Jason Sobel, I said, shush, uh, the bookmakers are going to start pricing him correctly. We promptly jinxed the hell out of him. And <laughs> he, he fell out of the lead and tumbled all the way down uh, to where he did. But uh, he's back here at 60 to one now. So uh, sign me up. Absolutely. I, I love it. Um, I've only got one more unit to play with. And my guy is way down the board. Uh, how about for you? Uh, I have one more unit as well. Um He's not uh, as far down uh, the uh, the board, but a guy who's uh, sneaky playing pretty well lately, and that I'm is so interested where you're going with this, Patrick Reed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> so Patrick Reed is uh, sixty-five to one, just behind Davis Riley. Loves this course. Uh, two straight yes. top tens. Uh, no missed cuts. Uh, three top tens overall finished T seven last week is playing pretty well, uh, right now. Um, I like, we talk about Patrick Reed showing up against stiff competition and playing hard courses and, um, you know, being a gamer in that respect. And this is, this is that for me, I think Patrick Reed is healthy. He's playing well. He thrives against, um, against stiff competition and on hard, hard courses and um, 65 to one, I think is a ton of value on a guy like him um, at his peak, one of the best players in the world. So I'm going to take him uh, to win for a quarter unit. And uh, he's also two to one to top 20. So three quarters of a unit on that. I, so Reed did not make my card this week, but he will make my daily fantasy lineups. I guarantee you that uh, I love it this week. Did you see, I apologize if I missed it because I was just pulling this up. Did you mention that he ditched the PXG driver? No, I did not. Yes. So uh, no lane up to this. And I, I heard it on a different podcast. He dropped the PXG a couple weeks ago, I believe, put an older driver back into play. And you just mentioned what his most recent performances have looked like. Uh, I, I do not think that's a coincidence. So yeah. I think it will be very interesting to see uh, kind of where he nets out. He was he was not hitting the driver well. And now in his last seven outings, he's gaining um, almost a stroke over the field in each event. 
with his drive. I love that. I think yeah. he's going to be up there on Sunday. Um, Absolutely. Not to get sidetracked, I am low-key very surprised he's not on the Live Golf Tour. Oh, 100%. That was a name that you would have thought to also be on yep. that list. Um, I thought there was a time, and there's still, I mean, now DJ obviously squashed that, but uh, there was a time for a while I thought Patrick Reed would be the biggest name on the list Yeah, whenever, whenever it got released. I mean, honestly, considering Ricky Fowler's comments the other week about just, he basically said what DJ said, which is like, it's interesting. I'm right. keeping an eye on it. The fact that Ricky's in this field this week and hasn't been announced on that same list surprises me as well. Yeah. Uh, anyways, to round out my card, I'm going down to the 150s to one. Uh, no, I do not have a win bet down here, but I do like Brendan Steele. Uh, Brendan Steele is a guy who pops up when it requires decent driving, meaning he's got the distance and he's got the accuracy off the tee. He's coming off of his last seven events, gained strokes on approach. He's got a couple top tens in there, a T9 at the PGA. Yes, the Zurich Classic was a T4. Yeah, whatever. Uh, also T13 at the players. So his he has not played a ton in the last few months, but he has played well where he has played. And I think Brennan Steele had a course like this where he actually has some pretty decent history. Um, he hasn't blown the doors off of anyone, but a couple top 20s, hasn't missed the cut since 2014. He's played every year but one since then. Uh, Brennan Steele, I believe his number right now is uh, plus 350 for a top 20. I will be putting a unit behind Brennan Steele this week, and that will do that will do it for my card. That's a, that's a deep, deep pull from the odds board, but uh, no win. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised you're not on Jason day, to be honest. We, so again, we went another week without seeing each other's picks uh, yep. this week. I thought, uh, Jason, so Jason day, of course, if he's on coverage this week, everyone will talk about how he's lives in Ohio and he's an Ohio guy, blah, 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 blah. Um, he's 80 to one, uh, for, uh, at a course, he typically plays pretty well. He's got two, um, uh, one, one top five, I think, two years ago, um, if I remember correctly. I have to look that up again. Yeah, T4 two years ago yeah. um, is playing decently. Four straight made cuts. Uh, yeah. Two of those are top 20s or top 15. So I'm uh, just a little surprised that uh, that you didn't take Jason Day at 80 to 1. Three of his last 12 outings um, dating back to the swing season, he's lost strokes, gains, and approach, including two, three of his last four. Um I just, this week to me is you can't, you can't find it. You got to right. bring it. Yeah. Um, and I don't, don't like the idea of anybody with a lack of an approach game, trying to figure it out and then have to play some of the very difficult kind of wedge flipping chips uh, around mm -hmm. the green. So I hear you. That is why no hobbling for me this week as well. Don't want to do it. Don't want to see it. Not, mm -hmm. not a fan. Um, although I would love for him. I love Victor Hoblin. I would love if this was one of his, breakout wins you know i don't what he's won so far um <laughs> doesn't really interest me uh in terms of like the profile of a golfer that he is right it's just they're not the events you would expect him to to win um you well you would you would just expect to see more than what he's done so this would be a good one for him but i don't think it sets up well for his profile yeah um quick recap sure yeah i'm Let's on uh I'm on Matt Fitzpatrick uh, to win uh, 25 to one half a unit top 20 for a, a unit and a half. That's my biggest play of the week. I love Fitzpatrick yet again, Cameron young 40 to one for a quarter unit top 20 is plus plus one forty for three quarters of a unit. 
Davis Riley, 60 to one quarter of a unit. Tom 20 at two to one for three quarters of a unit. And then Patrick Reed, 65 to one for a quarter of a unit. Also two to one to uh, top 20 for three quarters of a unit. For me, Colin Morikawa at the top of my card to win 20 to one half unit, top 10 plus 175 for a half unit. Hideki to win 28 to one for a quarter of a unit in the top 20 plus 120 for three quarters of a unit. Will Zalatoris to win 30 to one half unit in the top 20 plus 120 for a half unit. And then our boy Davis Riley, top 20, just keep giving us these odds, two to one for a unit. And then Brendan Steele, uh, one of the few times that this man will make the card, top 20 plus 350 for a unit. That is five for me. That is five for you. Uh, I don't uh, I don't think this is the last time we'll be talking live golf, but we will be back next week to break down our picks uh, as we move to Canada for the final tune-up before the U.S. Open uh, at Brookline. Excited for that. Excited to hey, hear who hey else. Hey, Jeffrey, one, yes, one second before you sign us off. The match is tomorrow. Oh. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, minus 190. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, plus 160. You got anything there? I don't have anything, but should we? We haven't done a bourbon bet in a while. Is there someone that you have a, an interest in? Well, I, I think there's uh, certainly worth a flyer on the underdogs, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. If betting, yes, I think that would be the way to go. All right, so no bourbon bet. but No bourbon bet. We are a golf betting podcast. There is a line offered by DraftKings. We so mention it. you golf fans, if you're looking for golf to watch on a Wednesday, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Tune in. Not a bad way to spend a Wednesday night. Uh, yeah, we will get the sub stack out with all of these picks for the breakdowns. And as I mentioned before, we'll see you next week to break down the RBC Canadian Open as we look ahead to the next major on the calendar, Massachusetts U.S. Open. We will see you next week on the Walk It In podcast. Enjoy the weekend, everyone.